Welcome to Now Open the Podcast, the sex education podcast that's more sex than education. My name's Trisha. And my name is Jobim. This week, Now Open is exploring an internet debate that without fail crops up every year around Pride. So this is part one of No Kink at Pride, where we'll talk about where the debate comes from and what the most common arguments are against it. So we're also trying a new format for this and upcoming episodes. So we hope you like it. This podcast deals with themes, languages, and situations that may not be suitable for young audiences. If you're under the age of 18, parental guidance isn't going to help you here. Okay, first thing first. I'm pretty sure, why why are we even asking this? This is like, this goes without saying. Are you kinky? I think this is important to ask to establish this in case we have any new listeners Hmm. on the show tonight. So... But if you've listened to our episodes before, then you know that I'm absolutely 100% super mega kinky. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jobim, though? Compared to Trisha, I am like level five wizard of kink, maybe. <laughs> not, not so. But, but yeah, I'm moderately kinky. I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly kinky person. Yeah, I think but, it's just really uh, important for us to establish that so that people know where we're coming from with tonight's discussion. Mm-hmm. And I think they can already kind of tell which side we're on in this debate. All right. So I just found out about No Kink and Pride this year. And it's pretty easy to tell what it is at face value. It's, they're trying to take out Kink at Pride. It sounded like they're trying to Disneyfy Pride, right? To make it more palatable and acceptable as an event. But what is the No Kink at Pride discourse really all about? So Vox likes to call it the perpetual discourse because, as I said in the introduction, it happens just every year. Every year it crops up again on social media, especially Twitter. Someone will tweet something like, I don't want to see y'all's kinks or fetishes at Pride. Like, leave that shit in the bedroom, you know? Mm-hmm. So every year that happens, it blows up. This whole discourse restarts. At the end of Pride, we pack up our rainbow flags, completely forget about it. Mm-hmm. And then gets picked up again, like, May 31st at, like, midnight. So Yeah, y'all are allowed to be gay again after <laughs> after Pride Month, which is weird. It's like, hey, can you tone down the gayness this, uh, this Pride Month? Kind of a strange request to make. (laughs) But apparently at the heart of the issue is a word you've heard a lot about on this podcast, right? Which is consent. We always say that consent is paramount. Consent is number one. Consent number one. So why is consent so important in this discussion? As Skylar Baker-Jordan put it in The Independent, Trisha. You may have no problem parading your sex life around, but others might not be so willing to participate in your fetish or to even see it. As pride is held in public in a public space and is a public event, it should be open to the public while also following the standards of public decency. So 
that mm-hmm. I think summarizes what a lot of um, anti-kink at Pride people really feel about kink at Pride is that it's just not public friendly. It's not GP. Like if you go to a movie, you have your movie ratings and it's not like for all ages. And the whole thing is that Pride should be a family friendly, all ages public event. So that's I, I the mean, claim here. At a glance, it seems like a very innocuous and fair statement, doesn't it? It seems it does. like a very it seems like a fair as hell request. I mean, I know that I don't like when other people shove their personal stuff in my face. And this person is saying sex life, something that is very personal. But others might not be so willing to participate in your fetish or to even see it. And as pride is held in a public space, they're just qualifying it as a thing held in a public space. And, you know, same as everything else. And it is a public event. It should be open to the public while also following the standards of public decency. What do you think about that? Well, I think before we even like start dissecting that, I think we need to understand what people really mean when they say no kink at pride because it's catchy. It's kind of like Akab, you know, Black mm-hmm, Lives mm-hmm. Matter. It's like a, it's a, it's a short soundbite, no kink at pride. But what is kink, right? What do people mean when they say kink? Because kink can cover so many things. Mm-hmm. It covers more things than it doesn't, you know? <laughs> right, right. And, it's, such a, it's such a wide blanket yeah. statement. So I think one of the things that they're asking for is no kink acts. Like you don't want to be walking down the street at Pride and then you see somebody getting whipped. You know, I think that's perhaps one. You don't want to see anybody on a leash and a dog mask in assless chaps being walked down the street for afternoon potties. Right. And I think to a a certain extent, you said like assless chaps. It's not just about like kinkiness as act, you know, like we're fisting or Mm -hmm. candle waxing. as dress. Yeah, it's kink as clothing. So Mm -hmm. you have people dressed, as you said, in dog puppy masks. You have people in covering literally just the junk, like literally nothing else, Mm -hmm. not even as like a string in the back. You know, you have people in leather and chains and all sorts of things. So it's even kink as dress. So I think it's like a really interesting definition of kink because... Nobody goes out now in the pandemic, but remember before Mm -hmm. everyone would go out in harnesses and chokers. So like there's like little bits and pieces of kink wear that have made it to mainstream fashion. Mm -hmm. And you notice how a lot of these are directed specifically at gay men. Like if a woman went to Pride in high heeled shoes and rope and leather and all of that, we would be like, oh, look at this empowered, awesome woman. Good for you. But when it suddenly involves leather daddies, gay men in the same exact outfit, it becomes scandalous. It becomes no kink at Pride. Mm -hmm. Well, according to the again the, the the statement, their argument against that is that it isn't in a public space, right? We have a comment from Anton Chua who says, indecency has historically often been shorthand for suppression of LGBT characteristics. The crimes with which Alan Turing was charged due to his homosexuality included gross indecency. The use of decency in the discourse about kink at pride seemed to be little different. And we see that this is also true in our previous episode, one of our previous episodes where we talked about Swan, who was the first drag queen in the U.S., who was charged with running disorderly house, was accused of indecency just because he had gay people living in his house. So this is true. We'll definitely learn a lot, well, not a lot, but a little bit more about how indecency laws and the and the definition of indecency has really changed over time in response to these movements. But mm-hmm. at this point, 
I think it's just really easy to point out and say that a lot of people who don't like kink at Pride mm-hmm. are really the same people who, you know, kind of like deal in like respectability mm-hmm. politics because yeah. coupled in with the no kink at Pride movement or an extension of it, I don't know if this person takes it too far, but there started to be discussions around banning drag at Pride. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is, sounds it, ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah, so we'll get into uh, why the no kink at pride argument is such a slippery slope. Because when you start policing one aspect of a celebration, where does it stop? Yeah, because right? now the so question becomes, if it's no kink at pride and that includes kink dress, you're also mm-hmm. asking, okay, how much nudity is allowed at pride, right? Like mm-hmm. if I wear something that shows my under boob and like Daisy Duke back back shorts... Mm-hmm. Is that okay? But then if I add a leather choker, is that no kink at Pride still? Like, mm-hmm. at which point does it cross over from just regular nudity or, you know, a regular revealing outfit into a kinky outfit? And it's just like, mm-hmm. it just gets really, really muddled, especially because kink wear is in, in mainstream fashion. So it's like, right. do you want to ban all nudity? Like, if a guy just goes topless, is that bad too? Right, because on one hand, pride is a celebration. And a celebration is a time when you're supposed to go all out. A celebration is supposed to be when you dress up, when you get dressed for things. Do people not get dressed for Halloween? Do people not get dressed for Christmas? Do they not dress as elves in Santa Claus? Do people not get dressed for, in the U.S., Thanksgiving. I'm pretty sure a person or two dresses up as a turkey or whatever. Where do we stop? And I can also see the the way that it's phrased by Skylar Baker Jordan. I can see where they're coming from, right? But the phrase in itself is, as we discussed, a slippery slope because, you know, you're talking about the standards of public decency, the standards of public decency. And these are standards that are always changing. And, you know, when when they say standards, you have to ask in order for the question to be fair, whose standards? You know, who's setting these standards? And yeah, so where does the line get drawn? Join in on the conversation on the now open PH Discord server where you'll be free to talk about anything and everything sexuality with like-minded people. Respectfully, of course. You can find the link to the server in the episode description. Uh, Before we get back into the discussion, here's the newsstand. The Philippines' Pride celebration this year ended with a verdict, quote, in quotation marks, against the current administration's brand of machismo. On June 26 last year, Salinas, a trans woman, and 19 others, collectively known as Pride 20, experienced firsthand what they say was the machismo fascist hand of state forces when they were violently dispersed and detained by the Manila police for holding a Pride protest, claiming violations of pandemic restrictions. Charges against them were eventually dismissed. Exactly a year later on Sunday, despite threats of a similar brutal harassment, hundreds of LGBTQ members and allies held a pride march and protest led by Baghari and Metro Manila Pride as a culmination to a month-long celebration observed all over the world. Salinas said the queer community continues to suffer under Duterte's failed pandemic response. For Salinas, pandemic restrictions and prospect of another violence should not hold LGBTs back from asserting their rights because according to her, so much more is to be done and to be conquered. And that was the newsstand, now sitting down. I'm really happy that the charges against them were dropped. Actually, mm-hmm. a few episodes ago for our Pride as Protest episode, we had on Carla Nicoico, who was one of the Pride 20 who was arrested 
actually. Yes. So really, really great news to hear that Duterte's crackdown on activism is not going to work <laughs> And I against heard these that, really uh, strong LGBT activists. One of the teachers that they were harassing just won their third case, their third retrial against uh, the NBI for tweeting something about Kill Duterte. So he just won his third retrial. So congratulations to him. Looks like it's really just harassment, really. This is one of the reasons that I think Duterte got voted into office is that a lot of people liked the way he talks, you know, because to a lot of Filipinos, they were like, oh, he sounds like me. He talks like me. He's one of us. He's going to take care of us. The problem with that is the average Filipino is not presidential, man. The average Filipino is not somebody who'd like to see running the Philippines. That is why we elect to these people. And when you have somebody like that who represents, if that is the case, the best and the very worst of the Filipino people, then he exemplifies the homophobia that is still rampant in this country. That's the problem when you elect a statesman that quote unquote talks like us. I don't think he even talks like us. I think he just really speaks to a really like base desire for like something different, something that will you know, change is coming. Yeah. But yeah. you know, you can't really fault a lot of people have turned around since then. I hope that like this continued pushback and the continued successes against the attempted violence of the government, the attempted harassment by the government. We'll just show that, hey, we're not going to take the sitting down, you know? And if we can't get you out before 2022, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll fight as hard as we can yeah, within, we the, within the constraints of the law. Please don't have us arrested. Okay, um, <laughs> now that was the new stand that was sitting down. <laughs> there you go. Now onto the show. If you've been listening and so far you've been thinking, that doesn't sound like an unreasonable request. What's the big deal about? Let's tackle some of the most common arguments against kink at pride, all right? A, participation requires consent, and observation is participation. What do you say to that? So the general idea of this is that when someone is... Okay, so one of the core tenets of BDSM is that when you're playing, you have to get the consent of everyone involved, like, for example, if you're if you're doing voyeurism or whatever, you have to make sure that the person you're watching knows that you're watching and that they're okay, okay with it. Same with exhibitionism. You have to know that the person you're flashing is okay with your nudity. So this is a very, very basic principle of BDSM. So now the argument now applies to the public space where I don't disagree with this particular point as it is. Because it's a public space. Yeah, because but participation requires consent. That's correct. But the, mm -hmm. the part that I have a problem with is observation is participation. Mm -hmm. Because if being around, like if your issue is that you don't want to be around people who are indulging in their kinks, if that's your issue, you probably don't know it, but you've probably already been in the same space as someone indulging in their kinks. Because again, kink is such a wide range of things like what if somebody has a shoe fetish you know then you've been and you've been in the room with them and they like your shoes you could stretch that definition to include that if you're stretching to include it at pride as well and you know i, I don't i don't think that dressing in a kinky way is necessarily mm -hmm. requires participation it's just people dressed as they are but if uh, you know? okay just uh just to jump on that it, so if uh what if somebody was what if let's say you were wearing nice shoes and uh, somebody who has a shoe fetish fetishized you without your consent, right? Yeah. And then now you are unwillingly participating. You were unwillingly being uh, being kinked. <laughs> well, if if you have dinner with someone and then you mm -hmm. masturbate to them later, is that not kind of the same thing? 
That is, yeah. Don't <laughs> try. <laughs> I, but what what the people who argue this cling on to really is that it's a public space, right? That's their main yeah. argument: is that the public space should be for everybody. To that, I honestly have no answer. I mean, my answer to that would be it's a celebration, dude. There are lots of people that oppose Columbus Day too. I'm guessing that those people just don't attend the Columbus Day celebrations. You know what I mean? And also, like one of the big things that I see a lot, one of the big arguments is that they don't want to see public sex or public nudity, and it's like. Yeah. But, you know, we're all on the same page here. That's what the laws are for. It's already yeah. illegal yeah. to do those things. And nobody is doing that at Pride. I mean, there might be some people. We can't say mm -hmm. that nobody's doing it. There's always going right. to be a couple people out there. But having does it sex represent the, the majority? Open. It doesn't. Because yeah. public sex and, you know, compared to what people think, if you've never been to a Pride march in the U.S. or even here, when people go in kink gear, they're not engaging in kink acts. Mm -hmm. So one of the pictures um, that you see going around, like with people like super in leather gear and like getting whipped, those are actually taken from some of them are taken from Folsom Pride, which is it's an open public space for Kingsters to practice. It's a it's like a big celebration and they do it in the streets. So they've like repurposed these pictures and they've recaptioned it as from Pride itself. As long as they're not, fuel. as long as they're not breaking the law or doing anything like we said, explicitly sexual, right? And it is a celebration. How much more obnoxious is getting dressed up in fetish wear and celebrating at Pride really than dressing up as your favorite Disney character and going out and doing your day? You know, I know lots of like tons of Disney adults. I know tons of people that I know tons of fashionistas that also get dressed up in in loud garb. Nobody gets on their case about like, hey, stop being so obnoxious with the way you dress. Well, you nobody know? gets on their case because people like directly equate BDSM with sex. Anything. Mm -hmm. Na may bahid ng kink. If it, mm -hmm. if with a whiff of kink, to them it's about sex. And it, it definitely has to be sex, right? It has to be about sex. And you can't, the children can't learn about the sex. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, because what if we traumatize them? And another thing that the kink people like to do is they like to use other groups as weapons. The anti-kink people, they use like, oh, but like what how? about, like, what about the children? What, what about people who are asexual or aromantic and don't want to see that? Mm -hmm. And then what about people who have trauma and have been abused and don't want to see like violent right. images in relation to sex? And it's like so their one, argument is like, are you? Well, you guys are being you're not being inclusive of these people then, right? Like if you're if you're supposed to be all about inclusion and stuff, why aren't you being why aren't you being mindful of these people? One Twitter person, uh, who I'll, I will not name because I don't want to give them any more publicity, even called it an issue of accessibility. Note that language, accessibility. Yeah, accessibility. <laughs> the way that they're uh, framing it is about accessibility because, you know, they, they want it to appear that they're trying to protect um, certain groups. But mm -hmm. what I found really interesting is that a lot of people from these groups, well, not the children, because I try not to talk to children on social media, but, you know, aromantic policy. That's a good Great policy. policy. Yeah. Just easy. Um, aromantics and asexuals, they said, well, you know what? The thing about pride is that it celebrates a whole diversity of things. Mm -hmm. And it's also about acknowledging that the community is not homogenous. Mm -hmm. And there are some things that you don't like. And then there are people that you may not like because of whatever. But we're celebrating for everyone. And we all deserve equal rights. You know, and there's no judgment here because we already know what it's like to be judged. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's quite hypocritical to exclude 
kink from pride under the whole we have to protect certain people but these are the same people who are marginalized elsewhere so if you kick them out of your space you're further marginalizing another group you know ask me well said <laughs> and uh, sometimes being a part of a diverse community means you don't get your way. That's it. Okay, so here, here's another one. King of Pride was was there long before queer parents decide to take their kids to Pride. Absolutely. Right? And this is not the same as saying we've always done it this way. Therefore, this is the way we're going to do it. Because when I hear when I hear people saying that, like, oh, just are you going to keep uh, it keep with it keeping with tradition? Isn't uh, this whole thing about change? And uh, shouldn't we be open to change? When people use the, this is the way we've always done it. Therefore, this is the way we're going to keep on doing it conversation. It's usually because they don't look at the roots of why a thing is being done. People are not arguing for kink at pride for the sake of being able to wear what they want to wear. It's not a question of freedom of expression per se. It's a question of being able to carry in the spirit of what they're representing, of what they represented from the start, of what it always has been. And removing that part of that identity is, is possibly harmful to the Absolutely. message, to the movement. Because like being, not all gay people are kinky and not all kinky people are part of the queer community, but there is a significant overlap in those communities because there's a lot of similarities between them, you know, between the kinds of sexualities that they engage in, you know, their non-normative sexualities. At one point, they were considered sexually deviant, mm -hmm. you know, neither were respectable and, you know, it's still up in the air if gay people are considered respectable, depending on the society. But we can agree that, you know, a lot of kinksters are still in the closet. A lot of them still can't come out and be proud about it. There's still mm -hmm. a lot of stigma there. Mm -hmm. And, like, this whole idea of respectability is exactly what queerness was trying to stand up against. It's basically saying that, like, you have these ideas about what people are and you have a hierarchy of what people should be like these people this is what we want so these people are at the top and it's that question like who is an acceptable human so the same arguments that were lobbied against the queer community are being lobbied against the kinksters it's, mm -hmm. it's basically assimilation versus liberation it's like how do we make ourselves so palatable that they have no choice but to accept us because we look we're like them in every way except mm -hmm. that we're we're queer but that's not how people are you know we need more like radical liberation yeah. where it's people of all kinds are accepted. It's like and you're no allowed. Pride is like, you're, you're not the one. You're not the acceptable one. You are allowed to celebrate, but you must celebrate the way we tell you to celebrate. Otherwise. Exactly. How about you, Jabim, as a, as a new father? Mm -hmm. What do you, how do you feel about people going, but what about the children? Would you, how would you feel if your son was going uh, about pride? Look, man, I, I knew you were going to ask me that. I've been I've been doing radio for I don't know how many years, and I can't tell you how many angry parents I've had on my dick constantly because I'd say shit on the radio that they weren't ready to talk to their kids about, right? And I, I did. I, I complained for a while. I think I, I posted on Facebook like the, the messages that I would get from parents. Uh, making fun of them. And large part of the people who followed me on Facebook were very supportive. But a friend of mine who I respected knew one of the parents who messaged me and said, hey, they're they're really good people. And they didn't, you know, they, they were not trying to censor you. But I think it should be between a parent and their child when they should, when they decide to talk to their child about a certain thing. And I said, I, I thought to myself, fair enough, that's fine. But the fact of the matter is you can't control when your kid is exposed to certain stuff. Well, you can up until you can't. You know what I mean? Is if it were if it were up to me, if you're asking me, 
if I'm not ready to have that conversation with my kid, I'm just going to steer my kid away from the pride parade, man. I'm not ready to have that talk yet. I don't think you're equipped. I don't think I'm equipped to have that conversation. I'm just going to steer my kids uh, elsewhere. That being said, I think it's the parent's responsibility. It's it, you're, you're the fucking parent, man. It's the parent's responsibility. The world is always going to have things that you don't agree with. And it is not the world's responsibility to make it easier for you as a parent to do your job. It is your responsibility as a parent to step up and explain the world to your kid. That's, I saw that's I saw a tweet that I think summed it up quite nicely. If your child is old enough to ask questions about what these people are wearing, because for mm -hmm. most for a lot of young children, it'll be like this person's dressed like a dog. Cool. You know, or this this person's dressed in a lot of black. Awesome. But if they're old enough to ask questions about why they're dressed that way, then they're old enough to get an answer of some sort. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go into the mm -hmm. whole thing, but yeah, they, yeah. You, know, you can give them some an answer. Dress that way. Yeah, some people just dress that way, dude. Like, you want to dress yeah. that way? I'll buy you some assless chaps today, <laughs> <laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about it, a lot of baby wear. <laughs> yeah, man. A lot of baby well, assless already. Yeah, so yeah. you're halfway there. Uh, and I mean, so, baby yeah. wear is inherently sexy. That's why so many adults turn to it later on in life as a kink. Oh, God. I no, don't know right, that person's wearing a diaper, too. <laughs> <laughs> you can be anything you want when you grow up. See? <laughs> and I think most of all, it just really promotes, like, if you if you don't want your kids to be exposed to these things, that's totally fine. But overall, I do think it promotes the idea that Sex is taboo. Kink is taboo. And that right. these things are dangerous, inherently harmful when they I really say, are. Yeah. That, I, I agree that that is the worst case scenario for that argument, right? That the worst case scenario is that you're teaching your kids that it's a it's a it's wrong, it's taboo, it's a it's a not a good thing to talk about or or be around. But on a less insidious note, like I think some parents just feel like they don't want their kids to lose their quote unquote innocence about certain stuff, especially with regards to sex. You know, that's like one of the last things you want a child to explore on their own <laughs> is is sex. And one of the most terrifying experiences, I think, for a parent is when their kid starts to ask about sex. So it's that that general anxiety of even if I don't want to make it taboo, even if I don't want them to think it is taboo, I just don't want them to know anything about sex right now. You know, I think that's where a lot of the parents are coming from, which is, I mean, like I said, just try to talk to your kid, man. Prepare for that conversation because that's the world that we're living in today. We're living in a world where you are forced to confront these conversations a lot earlier than your parents were forced to confront them with you if they even had them at all, you know? And it's up to us as the new parents to change that. I want to address a question comment from one of our customers, Matt. So we keep the children from the parade. The burden is on the parents. So let's take that one by one. Um, the thing mm -hmm. about most pride parades is that they have different events, different sections, different programs. And like in the case of the U.S. where it's like a block party, different areas that are cordoned off for certain things. So there are areas that are all ages, which can include people who are in kink gear. There are 18 plus areas. And then there are like family friendly areas. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you can't go to pride. There are just certain parts of pride that you can't go to. And that's just... And that's yeah. okay because and, there yeah. are parts that you can't go to. You don't go to the movie plex, whatever. You don't go to the cineplex and then just bring your kid to an R-rated movie. You go to the cineplex, you find out what's showing a kid-friendly movie, and you take them to that movie. And cinemas are public spaces too, right? Like, how is this different? A cinema is a public space, but you're not allowed. If you were seen taking a child into an R-rated movie, you'd get some funny looks. 
In the same way that if you're bringing your kid to a place where the general society doesn't, you know, like if, if there's somebody fisting somebody else in the corner, you're going to get some funny looks too. So that's it for part one of No Kink at Pride. Make sure to stay tuned for part two, where we'll talk about the overlapping history of the kink and queer communities and the more insidious roots of the anti-kink at Pride movement. 